Ten Warriors Here Podcast. I am Triforce Todd. Joining me today is Wario Will. Happy Bayonetta Origins release day, everybody. And yes, we are in the middle of March. Can you believe that? Yes, I'm throwing this bit again. We're already in the middle of March already. Can you believe it? Yeah. It's time to go back way too quickly. Jeez Louise. And we're only like, yeah, three three weeks away from the Mario movie. Yeesh, man. Yeah. It's, I don't, I don't get it. I don't like it. And I'm not happy. I'm not happy. <laughs> and yes, I do know that that means that in a week is John Wick 4, which does make me happy. But I specifically told myself in February, I do not want to rush to John Wick. I want to have like, Things happen, meaningful things happen before John Wick happens, and I don't think I can say that yet. So, mad. Moving <laughs> on. Good Get Scott is also here. Hooray! It's, oh no, it's March. Yeah. <laughs> that means I'm old. We're all old. <laughs> I'm just saying, we're all old. Yes, we're getting out. Don't need to remind us. <laughs> Oh, and for those of you wondering if our uh, new co-host, Falco Faith, is going to join us. She is not. She sadly had a thing come up last minute, but hopefully she will be with us next weekend. Uh, or sorry, next next week. So, wishing you the best, Faith. Uh, all right, we have an interesting show for you today, uh, including a uh, main event about, of all things, money. <laughs> mm, I like money. <laughs> yeah. Are you sure, Mr. Krabs? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just saying, like, are you sure? I mean, do you have your first dollar still framed? <laughs> That's right. I know SpongeBob lore, regretfully. <laughs> <laughs> so, but we have a, a very interesting uh, show for you tonight. So get, let's get started off with what have you been playing? <laughs> and I'll go first because I officially have my uh, Octopath Traveler 2 review up. <laughs> I gave it a four out of five. Which I know some might be surprised about, but I I have I have criticisms, I have criticisms. So the first thing is that uh, the game is just way too long. All right, I beat it in twenty hours. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> that's know. long. No, no. <laughs> it's like wait, that's long. It is for me. I am old. Dang it. No. no, trust me. After playing Persona Five Royal from beginning to end, that was long. This was actually literally half that by comparison and i technically came in under the clock because if you recall before the game came out they said that an average playthrough would be about 70 hours i did it in 55 does, does that mean that i'm that dang good yes yes <laughs> or just cut out the fat of all the side quests that too which is actually <laughs> one of my biggest criticisms because they just don't tell you what to do in these side quests and i am not the kind of guy to just go wandering around hoping i'll run into somebody for a, a side quest fix, you know. Now, some of the side quests are incredibly obvious. Like, there was one in a town where this girl was trying to escape her hometown, but no one would let her leave. So what you had to do was use Throne A and knock out everyone visible in the town. <laughs> like, okay. That's one way to make them escape, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and then she was like, oh, crap, you, like, knocked everybody out. Uh, I mean... Yeah, that 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 works, I guess. So and she leaves and she's like, maybe I shouldn't leave because I don't really know what I'm going to be, you know, doing to become a star. But I'll figure it out. I'm like, oh, she's gonna die. <laughs> but so yeah, the side quest for one thing, the grinding. Like I I made a reference to that in my in the subtitle of my review. The grinding was like one of the most annoying things for me. It was because by the time I was at the post game content, which I, I definitely want to talk about, I was three of my main characters, Ikari. Particio and Oswald were literally 30 levels higher than my fourth best character. 
which is Agnea. And that's just wrong. <laughs> that's just wrong. And the other ones were all hovering around 45, which was the base level for their final, uh, final, final chapters. And by the time I got through all eight bosses, it was almost comical how easily I beat them because of how overleveled I was. <laughs> and remember, I had problems with Hikari's final boss, his brother Mugen, and I had to leave because of how challenging it was. By the time I got back to him as the final, I whipped him first shot. Like, not one shot, but like, <laughs> that would be hilarious. Boost four shot. <laughs> one shot a boss. You technically can do that. You technically could, but like, that's really overleveling, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but yeah, it was it was laughably easy, and I wasn't that much stronger than I was the last time. And then, like, small spoilers, when you get to the final, final boss, which is the post-game content boss, um, I was I was holding my own. It was probably going to be a tough fight, but I felt I could I could hold on and make it work. And all of a sudden, the boss absorbs all four of my main characters. And then the other four are summoned, and then they go, here you go. Good luck. Mm. I'm like, no! <laughs> like, no, that's not how this works, okay? And, and they were under-leveled, under-equipped, because I kept sw swapping uh, weapons on them so that I could... I didn't have to, like, keep grinding just to get enough money to buy the best weapons. So I went from having my, my best in, uh, in, the, in the eight to having my worst in the eight, and they said, like, good luck beating him. I'm like, and they're getting one shot, like, all over the place. I'm like, no. So I literally put the game down, and I, and I, I haven't touched it again. Because I'm like, that's that's the turnoff for me. When I go, here's the characters you worked with. Here's the characters you didn't work with. Try and win with both. No! <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mentioned in my review, I'm not saying we had to have an EXP all feature where it's like Pokemon and everyone gets leveled up. But even if you have it to where your mainline characters get like say 10 to 20 percent more exp than the backline characters those backline characters are still getting uh leveled up it's just you're not there's always be like you know one or two levels behind versus 30. <laughs> like like persona did that persona did five had to where you know you sometimes would have like extra experience because you know a character got knocked out right after you before you killed a monster, but everyone got the same amount of XP. And so if you had to swap out because someone had a better persona than you or, or like one that's perfect for the uh, the boss fight you're doing uh, to, to hit the weakness, you could do that instead of like having to grind needlessly to get, you know, a Makoto or a Kechi up to the level you needed. Like that would have sucked. And that would have put even more hours in an already long game. So Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So it was fine. The the other thing, and this was uh kind of a carryover from the first one, is that they some of the stories kind of just petered out at the end or uh. really abrupt endings. Um I won't spoil them for people who haven't beat the game yet, but Throne Ace was one that really threw me off. She had this incredibly dark ending. Like it was dark. Like even I didn't see the twist that was coming coming. Like it was that dark. And so we, we beat the bad guy and she gets her wish and she says a line that is like so dang depressing and then, you know, fade out to the fin screen, which is her walking happily on a street next to a dog. My first thought is, where did the dog come from? <laughs> Who 
<laughs> All right. And how do you go from this is oobly depressing to, oh, I'm so happy in my life and I have a dog next to me. This is so lovely. Like, no. Time skipping. That was kind of bad. And then the other big thing, which I know many people commented on, is that we still don't really get the interaction we deserve. <laughs> with the exception with the exception of the post-game content, which I will admit was some of the best content in the whole game. Which is kind of odd. <laughs> I'll admit, um, they pull out not one, not two, not three, but like five twists in the ending that will make you completely rethink how you view the game. Uh, okay, yeah, it's okay. that good. Like, I'm serious, like, I'm not going to spoil it, but like things happen. And I go to this location, and all of a sudden, it's like one bombshell after the next. And I'm like, no, that can't be right. <laughs> uh, wait, no. No, that's not right. That That's not what happened. Wait, did that really happen like that? And it just keeps building and building and building. And then once you get to the boss fight, I'm like, okay, this is great. This is like, we got to see actual character interactions. Uh, like, the, co the cover art for the game is the eight characters around a campfire. We actually see that scene in the postgame. Uh... They have some really fun interactions. And... I loved it, and I wanted more of that through the game because the shared path stories were kind of hit and miss. I mean, some of them were fun. Some of them were literally just exposition dumps mm -hmm. to, set, to set up the post-game. There was literally only two of the eight uh, shared... Uh, okay, sorry. Three of the eight shared path stories had action content. Three out of eight. There was, there was four chapters at the start of every... After the you finish all the first chapters... And then the second wave comes after the end of the final chapters. And then once you beat all of those, then you get the post-game content. And I'm just like, you know, this is fine. I lo and I love these interactions, but I, I kind of wanted more than that. Mm, okay, so, like, they're basically, like, they're really just, like, leading into, like, because, again, th this thing was came from the spirit project of Live Alive. And Live Alive, like, was very short, but in the end, it, it got to the point of how these characters um interacted with each other. Like, again, the big bad. And, like, like with in the first game and in here, Octopath Traveler 2, it just seems like, oh, they're just building up the character for the first four chapters of their of, e of each of their stories until you can get that big bad which how oh that's how they intertwine like yeah. how, that's how it, it happened behind the scenes yeah and i think that's why my score is lower than the first one because like the first game had faults and i and i, and I actually reread my first review to see the similarities and some of the thing the things they did were just the same that mm -hmm. uh, the same thing as before like with minimal changes like, the battle system had good changes, like, with the latent powers, which I absolutely love. The battle system is easily one of the best parts of the game, um, alongside the visuals and, and the musical score with the voice acting. But, you know, when you deal with the side quests, which, again, you just you get, like, a random statement, and they go, oh, here, here, go find these four books, which could be scattered all over the world. Like, really? I have to look all over the world for four books that I might not even know who has them. Okay. And uh, continue on from there, and then the, the, the lack of interactions. Like, Hikari's whole thing. Hikari's whole story is that I've got to find allies to go save my nation. And the story is that, oh, he's got to recollect all the old allies from before his nation fell apart. And I'm like, well, that's nice, but you have now seven new allies, and they don't even get a mention until the boss fight when they just magically show up. Uh... Yeah. Oh man, I was kind of hoping that they would actually use that as a w reason for yeah, him to be going that's out. Yeah, <laughs> motivation. Like, I wow. Mean, they, if you remember the travel banter, they do that, 
obviously. But that's literally like almost like a mind space kind of thing where they're all in the like the same. Yeah, thing. like I'll play soliloquy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's it. But like Kari, you know, he's like, I got my, you know, my old spears woman. I've got my, my, the emperor's former right hand. I got the old, the eagle who's the strategist. And, you know, these are all the people I'm deed. I'm like, no. You have seven other people who would say otherwise. Like, you know, we're here for you. And they're like, oh, we're here for you, Akara. You'll be a great king. And they're like, oh, thank you, my friends. I can't do it without you. But you don't even hear Renshin throughout the game. And it's really, it's just so odd. And it was kind of fine the first time around because it was like a, this kind of new thing. But the difference between Live Alive and Octopath is that in Live Alive, you get a character, you go from start to finish with their story. Then you're stopped. You go to the next character. You do their story start to finish. Then you're done. Then you go to the next character, next character, next character. Until finally you do the crossover story at the end. And that was fine. You know, each one was special. Each one was unique. Each one had a different flair and flow and battle style. And it was awesome. And But this one, it's like, oh, these, these characters are eight characters who are all alone in this world. They're, like, they're not. And then how do you explain the shared stories? Like, the shared paths. Like, it, it, it's, it's just kind of contradictory. And when you add it up to all the other, you know, inconsistencies and such, it, it it makes you get a lower score. Now the game was still great. I got four out of five. Highly recommend. Love this RPG. But if there was to be an Octopath Traveler three, they they need to listen to the fans more and add more connections outside of this post game content. And again, it's really sad that some of the best content is after the game is done. <laughs> Because some people won't play the post-game content. I, I can bet you on that. Because they'll be like, okay, I've got all the paths done. We're good. And it's like, no, there's the post-game content. Like, oh, if I must. And like you, and if you have that urge, you'll miss some of the best twists in the game. And that's really sad. So, but yeah, again, four out of five, good times. Uh, I think one of my biggest surprises when I was rereading my original review was how different my team was. In the original in the original game, my team was uh Olberek, uh crap. Uh oh uh dang, I'm just gonna look it up. <laughs> it was the warrior, it was the warrior, the thief, the cleric, and maybe Primrose, I can't remember now. But it was like I had that team and I'm like, okay, this is this is a good team. And then this time I had Ag I had Agnia, Particio, uh Oswald and uh, Hikari. So like that was like oh, like three out of the four classes I had differently this time around, which I was really impressed by because it showed like how different it was, and how much I absolutely wanted this game to, or how much I had changed my perspective based on how well I like these characters and what they did for me in battle. So just goes to show. You know, you got that's why you gotta play the games so you don't think, oh, these are just the same thing in the book four. It's not. It's familiar, but it is boosted. It's just not boosted enough. So, yeah. All right, there's my rant. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead with everybody else. So, uh, Scott, how about we go with this? <clears throat> well, I actually did play a little bit of Octopath Traveler this week. I feel <laughs> I feel like I've done something, <laughs> but I only did like an additional path. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So I, I mean... finally got the merchant. Oh, you uh, finally got Particio? Yep. <laughs> Just making my way, getting more characters before I start doing any of the other chapters. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So, yeah, now you finally got that time away from the Trails game, so that's good. Yeah, but then I got put into another uh, game. 
<sighs> that I will hopefully be able to finish in time before Ryza comes out. <laughs> right, Ryza <laughs> coming out pretty darn soon. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, after I did Trails, I did Octopath, and now I'm just gearing up to get the game I'm currently playing done so that I can get to Ryza. Uh, there's currently a game that's under NDA right now, correct? Right, you yes. can't talk about it. Okay, mm. gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> I'm not under NDA, so I can tell you that he's playing. Please! <laughs> <laughs> the NDA power is strong. I didn't realize they could beat me in real time. The power of corporations. The power of corporations. <laughs> Ultimate cosmic power. <laughs> no. Uh, it's fine that you can only talk about again. You can't talk about it, but that, that, that you will be able to talk about it soon, hopefully? Yes, I should be able to. Should, he says. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so is there anything you can talk about that's not under NDA? I mean, it's technically a remake of a PS2 game. Ah, <laughs> okay, 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 okay. We, we've already established, thanks to Will, that you don't have to talk about pure Nintendo games, so go ahead. Yeah. Um... I think it is actually going to be on Switch when it does come out. I need to double check. Oh, it's going on Switch? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> killing me. <laughs> yes, this game is coming on to Switch. All right, all right. right. Gotcha. What okay. is it? NDA. <laughs> Gosh dang it, man! <laughs> <laughs> all right, no, screw this. We'll go. All right. Uh, for me, has more or less. I've been continuing on with the Splatoon uh, three grind, and currently right now on level seventy on the catalogs. And gotta say, the new emotes uh, what they showed off is pretty darn good. Pretty darn pretty nice to see. Like the like the back, like the, like you know, uh, uh, in Street Fighter uh, Akuma special, like yeah, the the raging demon that that ends ending pose. It pretty much is the same thing with um with one of the emotes, so that's kind of a nice touch. So appreciate that on uh Splat Splatoon three team. <clears throat> but uh yeah, just been continuing on that grind and all that, and yeah, the the rank matches. <laughs> Let's just say I have not experienced such a, like straight losses in a long time when doing um like the rank matches. I mean, I, I am still in the X League, thankfully, but when the next season comes, I am going to be going back down to S rank just because of, uh, I don't know, be it my incompetence or my teammates' incompetence. I don't know what to blame, but I had such a bad, bad streak. <laughs> it, like, yeah, I never see my, my numbers go that low in rank battles, so... I'll just leave it at that because it is so painful. Uh, but aside from that, yeah, like continuing on the Spl- um, Splatoon 3 and grinding. Uh, of course, naturally with Fire Emblem Heroes, we just recently got announced at the next uh, Sacred Stone banner. And okay, that's nice. I mean, again, I, I don't, I, I'm not familiar with Sacred Stones, but I know some people were kind of pretty nice to see. And of course, naturally, uh, well, re- rearmed uh, Tanya is. All right, not bad. Not a not a major pulling force, if anything else. So like, but again, it's 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 a new banner. So take take what you will, take what you will, and 
Let's see. Was there anything else? Aside so from Fire Emblem Heroes and then continuing my Masoon 3 grind, I mean, I, I am done with Fall Guys, thankfully, with my past. So, yes, I finally got SpongeBob's costume. And yeah, I don't have to go back to the game until at the end of the month. So, yeah, in two more weeks, because I know a lot of games' seasons are done then. So, it's that. But aside from that, yeah, I need to go back to Octopath Traveler, go back to Zero Chronicles 3, yada, yada, yada. That's the shame of Spain, shame of Spain. And yeah, it's, and of course, now. Actually, we got um, Bayonetta Origins, which I don't know if I'm gonna get it like get it sometime sooner, sooner or later. But yeah, I know people are, are really fairly excited about that. Which I, I have downloaded the demo, so I probably will try out the demo before like deciding if I want to go get it day one or uh, wait until the bargain bin. So overall, it's just been a light week because again, I got I, I got enough games to worry about for the time being right now. So I'm not. Like I, I'm not in any hurry to get Bayonet Origins, so here's hope. Here's hoping that the reviews that come out of Bayonet Origins are good and ready. So here's hoping. Here's Have hoping. you even beaten Bayonet Three? <laughs> no. I don't think you should play it until you beat Bayonetta 3 because it'll give you another perspective on what will happen in Bayonetta 3. Right, the context, I know, like how it connects to Ala Hideki Kamiya's mind. So, yes, I, I need to get back to that as well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Also, I will be reviewing that for the website. Although there was a bit of confusion about that with our <laughs> co host Faith. Uh, so, what happened was. I thought I had already reserved the spot to review it on the site. And I even talked about it here on the podcast because I noted that Bayonetta and Jedi Survivor was going to come out originally on the same day. Then Jedi Survivor got delayed, so that helped me out. So Faith comes in after Keith asks, hey, guys, what game should we ask Nintendo for a review copy of? Yeah, 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 yeah. And she goes, oh, I want Bayonetta Origins. I'm like, hold on, Faith. I, I've already called Bayonetta Origins. She goes, no, you didn't. I'm like, I didn't? She goes, no. I'm like, uh, so I rushed to the sheet, and sure enough, I had not. <laughs> it, so, it was like fairly after the, um, the direct, one of the directs, yeah. So I. Yeah, so after uh, sub using my uh, superiority over Faith, no, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mentioned to Faith, like, I, I really thought I had called it. She goes, it's fine, you can have it. So I Giant rock, paper, scissors, smash. <laughs> I, would I would win. I used to do it every night with my father. So I have and um yeah, I started to interject as well because I actually just remembered there was one more game I happened to continue, which I've been more or less clamoring these past weeks, which I com I completely forgot was indeed I was continuing on with Ishin and uh, Yakuza like a Ishin, and um yeah, uh, people who are playing uh, Yakuza Ishin just grow ginseng. You're gonna get more money that way. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> just, just grow the, in the ginseng in your farm. But yeah, so that that's what I remember. I I'm sorry, Hollis. I'm sorry. That's that's, that's what I remember. <laughs> But while you think of how to beg me for my forgiveness, much like Faith had to do for almost taking a game away from me. Joking, Faith. Almost kind of, <laughs> sort of. Never mind. Uh, oh, please. Just like have, a, have, her, have Faith talk about more of my Minecraft to make me torture you more. Even <laughs> <laughs> I'm the host. I have the power. And I, I, I warned her that I would not go give her a softball. So if she was to talk too much about Minecraft, Steve, I would mute her so dang hard. <laughs> Faith, we love you, Faith. You've been warned, Faith. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, my my venom over Minecraft and Minecraft Steve and Smash Brothers is legendary. It's, it's, it's wrong. Even Sakurai, Sakurai admitted that of all the characters that he put in, 
Minecraft Steve was the hardest because he had to make up a whole new system just to placate to what Minecraft is and then do all the different materials that he could use and then all the skins and whatever. It was apparently one of the hardest it was the hardest character to make for the game. That's wrong. <laughs> he could have saved that time and made like two other characters that would have made us very, very happy, first or third party. But no, we got Minecraft Steve. No. Bad. <laughs> Bad sucker. Uh, also, for uh, all of you who like McDonald's, I found out the other day that Faith had no idea what a shamrock shake is. Ah! Oh. I'm like, wow. I mean, the Daddy Sakurai thing was bad enough, but I don't even know what a shamrock shake is. <laughs> I mean, I grew up in the, in the golden age of, of McDonald's, like back in the 90s, and yeah, shamrock shake, That's what too much Minecraft does to you. <laughs> there you go. It makes, it makes you a blockhead. Ah! Ah! Okay. Uh, but seriously, <laughs> Faith is gonna kill me when she hears. It. Oh, she will. So, She's gonna come back to this podcast. To, like, to yeah. be on the podcast, I'm like, well, you were there, and I told you I gave you a shout out. Like, but you didn't seem to insult me all this much. Well, that's I'm the host, so <laughs> it's uh, like a shout out. <laughs> yeah, I'm shouting out at your failings. And such. It, it, I wasn't lying. I just wasn't telling you everything. Anyway, uh, we do have a lot to talk about, so it's time to go down the warp pipe. And first, Minecraft. You wish, Faith. No, I'm not letting this go. Uh, yeah. Seriously, though, Bandit Origins, as we'll mention, is coming out tomorrow. And a couple of things have happened. First, let's talk about the review scores. Because as of right now, as we record this podcast, the game is at an 80 on Metacritic with a 58 reviews under its belt, 48 of which are positive, 10 of which are mixed, no negative reviews. Always nice to hear. Uh, and some of them were incredibly positive. Like I remember the IG, sorry, the IGN review said it was a pre it was prequel perfection. Mm. So yeah, very, very uh, high praise. Uh, multiple ni 90s, a couple 80s, and uh, most of them agree that it's like it's the visual style, it's the it's a difference in the battle system and how it all feels um many of them only had like minor gripes about the game including like just how how just how different it felt the worst reviews were the ones were like uh this is a peculiarly pitched spin-off that has almost nothing to interest bayonetta fans and instead offers an okami light experience like, <laughs> what <laughs> first of all being compared to okami is usually a good thing because that was like one of the best games on the ps2 yes! era okay like okami was one of those games that got ported everywhere like, yes. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so I'm just saying, like, if you're gonna do a, an insult, at least say something insulting. All right. Like, like if they say like this game is gonna like similar to God Hand, and oh, okay, that will be something. Oh, but, and I love God Hand. Yeah. <laughs> of course you, of course, you, of course you do. Well, uh, of course. Anyway, uh, but yeah, so an 80, which is very, very strong, especially for a you know a prequel spinoff that no one saw coming and came out. See, Bayonetta was October, so from November, Jan January, February, March, April. Yeah, so it's like you know, less than five months later. That's pretty impressive. Like I'm still amazed by that because that means they were clearly working on this game while Bayonetta three was going on, not even knowing if Bayonetta three was gonna sell on. They're like, ah, screw that. Let's just keep. Let's just go ahead and make a spin-off prequel because for sure someone's gonna buy it. <laughs> That's faith, ladies and gentlemen, not the co-host. Like the actual abstract concept. <laughs> Uh, but 
And then the other thing, which I really enjoyed today, uh, time recording, was they had an overview trailer for Bayonetta, uh, <laughs> Bayonetta Origins, and they gave brand new details on the game itself. For example, there are going to be skill trees for both uh, Ceresa and Cheshire, so you can build yourself up in battle. The elemental cores that I talked about, I believe it was last week, that Cheshire can get can be used in battle to help uh, unlock enemy shields and expose their weaknesses, or to help uh, solve puzzles in the overworld. So you're going to be using Cheshire quite a bit with his powers, so you're going to need to be mindful of what core he has at the time. And he will, have a, he will have a magic meter, so you can't abuse it. Except that you can! Because another feature that they revealed is that you can change the difficulty settings. So if you want to, you can always have a full magic bar. Or you can make it so that your enemies are very weak and that you are very strong. So if you just wanted to breeze through the game so you can actually beat it in a good amount of time, not saying that I know any co-hosts that don't beat games in a good amount of time. Not bitter at all. But if you wanted to, you could change the, the difficulty so that you can get through the game. Uh, also, we learned more about the fairies. Mm -hmm. Avalon Forest, including uh, go sending you into another dimension to help unlock some of the illusions that they set up in the forest. So, it the overview trailer is about six minutes, but it's it's full of information, gives you plenty of things to look out. The game looks really beautiful. Like uh, that was one something consistent throughout their reviews. Mm -hmm. that this is a gorgeous looking game, especially on the Switch, which is not something you usually say very often. It's gorgeous, especially on the Switch. Like, yay, I like that. Um, and in, whether you're playing TV mode, handheld mode, you're probably going to have fun. So, again, go get the game. And hopefully, after this potentially sells well, we'll get a Bayonetta 4 announcement. So we can see what Hideki Kamiya and crew have in store next week. <laughs> who knows what that's going to be? Uh, who knows? Who knows? All right. Next up, we have Pokemon. Lots of news from the Pokemon world. Lots, oh, boy. Lots of news. All right. I'll start off with the, uh, something basic. My review of Pokemon Ultimate Journeys Part 2 is up. And it got, it got a much greater review than my previous Pokemon Journeys review, which was literally filler extravaganza. This one was much better. I, I outlined the uh, two special episodes uh, last week, and then I finished them on uh, that following Saturday. Uh, I do want to give you a small spoiler. Um, at the end of this set, we are in the Masters 8, and they end it right before Ash's first battle. Because, of course, they did. You monsters. Like, they, oh, we're in the Masters 8. Oh, here's the first few matchups. Oh, guess who's next? It's Ash. End of, end of segment. End of segment. Uh, no. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And as many on the internet noted, some of the Masters 8 fights aren't the best. Mm. Kind of sad because they should be, like, the best battles ever. And they're not. It's kind of implied in the name, isn't it? The yeah, Masters. Yeah, there are literally multiple times in some of the first three battles where an attack is happening and the Pokemon just like does a like scared reaction, like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna get hit, then dodge. <laughs> Why don't you dodge? Yeah, I, I'm not kidding either. And like, like think of how many times like Ash will say, oh, Pikachu, dodge it, Lucario, use this to dodge, Pikachu, use Thunderbolt to launch yourself in the air, you know, yada, yada, yada. Or do this attack to block it. And, and, and these elite trainers, these champions of all these leagues, they just let their Pokemon get hit. I'm like, what? Take it to the face, Voltorb. Yeah, pretty much. 
And, uh, like, I remember on Twitter when the battles were happening in Japan and people watching the subbed episodes, and they're like, why is Elaine doing this? Like, he beat Ash, and he can barely get one of Leon's Pokemon down. And then that said Pokemon was literally one shot. Like, <laughs> one move. And yes, oh, but it was a super effective move. Yeah, but even against, like, high-level Pokemon, unless you're, like, 10, 20 levels higher, you're not going to one-shot a Pokemon with a super effective move. And this is Leon's Pokemon, who have, like, how much experience and have never been defeated, full stop. So, yeah. And uh, they they totally ruined, for me, the Charizard versus Charizard fight. Because they had Leon's Mega Charizard, or, sorry, Guns Max Charizard, which they didn't even use because they gave that to uh, Rehoboom. And there's this Mega Charizard X. And Mega Charizard X gets, like, two-shotted. Really? He beat, he beat like, Super Saiyan Greninja, who is his type disadvantage. And he can't even beat Charizard. Or even do well against Charizard. It was just bad. <laughs> but the episodes as a whole were fine. So go watch that. Uh, then we have... Uh, okay. Do, do we want to do the good news first? Or do we want to do, like, the bad news first? Bad news first. Pull off the band-aid. Okay, rip, rip it off. We are going to rip this mother after <laughs> off. Okay. The Pokemon Company. Okay, I got to be more specific here. The business side of the Pokemon Company. The, specifically, the office of the president of the Pokemon Company. All right? Like, I'm being very specific here for a reason. They put out a job listing. That's not bad, right? Except the job listing is apparently for someone with, quote, deep knowledge and understanding of Web3, including blockchain technologies and <laughs> nft and or metaverse oh, no. No. That, that's a stake that's a stake in the heart right there it's it's wrong i mean <laughs> of all the companies to do this with and for the record yes i totally understand if at the peak of nxt uh, nxt uh that, that, that's another thing entirely with wrestling pikachu um which is canon um <laughs> No, uh, uh, NFTs that Pokemon want to get involved because they have literally now over a thousand NFTs that they could use, and that's just oh, the Pokemon. Oh, it's no. not even including trainers and gym leaders and everything else, um, and shinies and Mega Evolutions. And all oh, don't start. There's don't a get lot of ideas. Oh, we don't got it. Oh, they, already, they already have the idea. Will they are asking for people to do this? And so, um, and there was another quote here. I, I want to. Uh, where is it? Uh, oh, here you go. They further ask for someone who has connections with people within that sector of the tech world. Oh, yeah. Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> Mike Zuckerberg. And then they go, uh, the listing notes said that a candidate would be creative enough to help connect the company assets to these potential ventures. Why? Why? Exactly. Why? Why? Like, why would you do this to us? So, yeah, look, we've already seen certain video game companies like Sony and Square Enix. Was it Konami there too? They Konami will with it tampered. Konami. Konami the tampered in it. So we've already seen companies try and do this, and it's failed like every single time. And the backlash has been huge because NFTs are nothing. They are less and they're nothing. still going down in price. Exactly, and yet they're trying now to get into the NFT market. And and let's only talk about let's let's get the NFTs for now. Let's go to the metaverse. Like, it's already been noted that Mark Zuckerberg's losing, like, 
millions upon millions of dollars for this, and he's going to lay off like 10,000 people associated to the metaverse. So it was already bad enough when he made this thing, knowing it would fail, and saying he was going to pump, what was like millions upon millions of dollars a year into this, and now he's already laying off a bunch of people and losing a whole bunch of money. So A, that money could have been used on like anything else, including, you know, actually helping people. No, managing Facebook in any way. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to make it so that people can actually see my post via the Facebook algorithm. I made a post today that was very important to me, and like no one saw it, and that hurt. It hurt a lot. I didn't get a single like. <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> but, and now they're trying to get into that. And I'm like, no, VR, we could, this could be our whole main event if we wanted to. VR is not big enough. It's not. We're not there yet. It's I still mean, the, growing. Like the technology, even with like the re, the re, the new version, I think the Quest Two, something like that. Like I know boss, our boss said something in regards. Like I know there's a new model that's actually fairly much more affordable for people to get, unless you're still like again have a good budget. But at the moment, right now, VR technology is just like no, we're not made of money, especially when we're coming out of a, a bloody pandemic. So it's just why, 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 Pokemon Company, why? And this is kind of going. I don't know. I probably should put this in my draft pick of like, no, I should not say no Pokemon NFTs, but no, here we are, possibly. <laughs> going back to what Scott was saying um, about sales or VR still growing, I don't actually feel that they are. Like, there was a, there was a chart recently. Uh, I saw it because of Reggie Fisame, and he noted, I'm going to try to look it up, but he it showed the sales of VR compared to systems, like the various consoles. And, and he noted that they're not that big because there's there's very little reason to play it still. Here we go. Uh, VR gaming destined to remain niche, question mark, and estimated global user, user penetration rates. Really? <laughs> That's a quote there, ladies and gentlemen. Um, okay, here we go. Uh, video games versus vr hardware and it's it's like it's so small it is like it's it's so small like, like the numbers are just terrible in comparison i mean i i it's kind of hard to read the chart i'm not gonna lie yeah yeah so if it's uh, the I'm same chart at... i looked at it was mostly with the metaverse stuff there's still um, so many other headsets out there yeah yeah even with the headsets and basically <clears throat> uh so basically for example for this year uh currently there's like of many users of 45 percent 45 percent of of the uh, population is has a, a console of sorts only 1.3 percent compared to that has a vr headset so yeah 45 percent to 1.3 percent okay thank you that i, I appreciate that because i was really like how am i supposed to read this play chart like this <laughs> this is something they should have taught me in school but they didn't no uh but yeah, that's, a, that's a horrible number and, and and reggie goes until there is a quote must play experience this will be true and and it is, because VR is something that you have to be, A, willing to buy, B, willing to experience, because that's what it really is. It's an experience. Mm, mm, and not mm, everyone's mm. going to yeah. because of, like, the range of motion you need to do these games and all that. And then there's got to be games on it like you, that you want to play. And, yes, there are good games, like, say, uh, Call of the Mountain, which I believe we just had a review put up on, on the Outer Haven. Um, but that's, like one 
like what other ones can you name? I mean, the only thing that I can probably imagine uh, for P like for example, PlayStation VR two is indeed like the VR uh, version of Resident Evil eight, like that because obviously for reasons point off and well, that and the four remake is gonna get big. Oh yeah, 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 and, like the VR version of Resident Evil four remake. Yeah, yeah, everybody's looking. Because in twenty twenty two, when they put the quest 2 with resident evil 4 it like doubled their sales for the month <laughs> right right right. that is still getting a lot of people to buy things which is weird because resident evil 4 came out years and years and years ago and re-released many times over <laughs> yes yeah but i want to say vr is growing not in the sense of its sale base but in the sense of its technology um that's the problem right now with VR is that it's still in a techno kind of bubble where it's still trying to progress past where it's been for the past, like, say, five years. <clears throat> and that's going to be something that with VR is going to take a lot more innovation. And innovation is something that NFTs doesn't have. <laughs> what? Wait. NFTs don't have innovation? No. <laughs> Wait, are you sure? I am absolutely sure. Yeah, you're you're totally right. Uh, <laughs> look, even the great Kevin Pereira, uh, when he was tr he tried he tried so hard to make NFT seem like something that could be you know cool and feasible. He had like this video game that wasn't his, but he like he showed it off on uh, Attack of the Show. Rest in peace again. Uh, I'm still mad. I'm still so mad about. <laughs> All right, on. boss. All right. <laughs> sorry, 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 but he was like trying to explain, it, and I actually could understand what he was going for but i didn't believe it, and i never talked about nfts again because the backlash was so huge like and he even joked about it. i was like yeah, i would talk about nfts but you don't want to hear about that so <laughs> yeah so i uh look could vr be the future maybe maybe but until it's a got a backlog of titles that make it worth it or a backlog of services that make it better beyond gaming it's just a very expensive addition that only some people are going to want to try. <laughs> and so for, to put Pokemon on that, you could you could understand it from a business standpoint in terms of like expanding the IP. I mean, like, sure, yeah. I mean, sure. I mean, who wouldn't want to battle in an actual Pokemon world, like where you have the headset on, and you can like walk around in first person as your trainer. And what if, that's still the dream. Yes, that's the dream of like, yeah, walking in Pokemon. I mean, we only got Pokemon Go with AR technology. Yes, but actually put it as true VR technology to see, I don't know, a life size whale lord. I mean, the only thing that even closely resembles that is in Pokemon Snap. Yo, yeah, oh, yeah. And Pokemon, and especially new Pokemon Snap. <laughs> uh, haven't done that in a while. Uh, you know, that's that one felt made me feel like I was there. Like I noted in my review, which I also reread recently, that I was taking pictures of a Pokemon and I turned around and there's a butter, a butterfly, butterfly right in my face. And it's just there, like flapping its wings happily. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like right there. And I wanted to like reach out and grab it, but I can't because it's like a video game. That sucks. <laughs> I can't live in an actual Pokemon world, dang it. Is it too much to ask for? Yes, yes it is. But like that was an experience I would love. And if they could do that in a VR, space sure but will they i doubt it and nintendo is definitely not getting into a vr headset anytime soon no. i just want to talk about nintendo Labo. <laughs> oh yeah that yeah no <laughs> i think we're quite bored with that one ah uh, ah uh, uh. yeah it, that that thing was clever but it's not in the cards 
Okay, boss. Yeah. Okay. Um, that, that might have been a stretch. I apologize. No, I do not. I am the host. Moving on. <laughs> so the, the other news, the like more positive one, is that we actually got a very interesting insight from one of the directors of the Pokemon anime, uh, Kunihiko uh, Yuyama, who in an interview revealed why Ash and Pikachu are partners. <laughs> because, as we know, this, arguably, is the biggest divergence from the, bi from the games. Because he doesn't choose Char Charmander or Squirtle or Bulbasaur. He gets Pikachu. Why was that? Well, uh, he said, I decided from the very get-go that the Pokemon that would become Ash's partner would not be one of the three you choose between the start of the game. Since I figured that might make some of the viewers sad. I'll get to that in a second. Uh, that's why we, he ended up with the Pikachu, a decision I'm really glad I made. End quote. Uh, I think what he's referring to is if he picked Charizard, all the Squirrel and Bulbasaur people would be mad because that's totally a better Pokemon than Charmander. Right, right, right. Like the, <laughs> the anime bias. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I can understand that. And that's actually a really clever idea. Not to mention, it differentiates itself from the games, which is something that was honestly very important because of how the anime totally, what's the right word? re-envisions what the Pokemon world is based from how it is in the games. Like, mm -hmm. look, look at the battles. In the games, battle is one move, one move, one move, one move. In the anime, it could be however many moves you want until they stop you. Right, right, right. I still remember when the first episode, like, they they, they literally played the, the, the intro theme of the Pokemon game, and then, like, oh, it transitioned into animation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember that was, that was so cool. That was so cool. And then he also revealed why he made sure that Ash and Pikachu did not have the immediate, um, like, master and, I'm not going to say slave. Uh, the Mon. Uh, the Mon, yeah. Master and the Mon uh, relationship. He goes, quote, Pokemon aren't always what humans expect them to be like. They're unique individuals that each have their own individual reasons for how they interact with humans. These kind, That's the kind of themes or relationships that the Pokemon anime shows. How someone can eventually get along despite being unable to communicate at all when they first meet. Communication is one of the main themes of the show, and Satoshi, aka Ash, uh, first Pokemon Pikachu, puts it into practice. There are so many kind, different kinds of Pokemon in this world, so when we depict them, we try to start by imagining what would happen if these Pokemon actually did exist in a given place, and what those Pokemon would be doing in that case, then let the story develop from there. End quote. So, I love that, because when you look back at the anime and all the Pokemon personalities that ash has ash, ash has in particular it's really clever to see the stories that were born from it like like chikorita oh uh, yeah, yeah 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 crush on ash and was mad when ash wouldn't use her in battles or and of course charizard when he uh when he evolved from charmander Charmeleon charizard he had he grew a big attitude because ash quote unquote wasn't leveled up enough to control him which is something we say reference in the game and i think scott is eating something right now yeah, here's Metasonic. That was a laugh. <coughs> that was a laugh! No, that wasn't. We were really... Uh, I heard some static. Uh, uh, uh. Whatever. Well, it was supposed to be a laugh. No, unless my mic just laugh. decided to be annoying. Yeah, apparently. Uh. Anyway, but uh, that was a laugh. That was a really robotic laugh. And I, I didn't think you had an idea. <laughs> but I, 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 love, I love that explanation. And, uh, of course, Ash and Pikachu's relationship and how it's evolved over the years has been a, like a key part of the anime mm -mm 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 -mm. so it, it's it's really nice hearing this because we are getting so close to the end 
Like they dropped a promo in uh, a train station of all places, uh, showcasing the final episode uh, promo for the for the anime with Ash and Pikachu, and I and I watched it and I'm just like, oh man, this is really almost over and it sucks. Yeah, it's almost here. The end. Yeah, the end is nigh. And yeah, to, like even with like I just saw some recent um clips of the recent episode, and it, again that quote unquote Team Rocket broke up. It's like. Whoa. Yeah, oh, that's getting really divisive, and some people are wondering if that's actually going to stick in the final episode, because that's a bull choice if they do, if they do <laughs> real, like legit, like bold. I just say so. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is uh, if it's true, then oh boy. But yeah, these last few episodes left, man. Pokemon, Pokemon, what's gonna be next? Uh, really. All right, next up, we have PAX East. <laughs> I believe some of our crew are going to. I know Keith is going to it, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah, Keith's going to it. So Nintendo has outlined a few things that they're going to be doing at PAX East, not the least of which is that they're going to be having not one but two tournaments for you to watch. There will be the Mario Kart 8 tournament, sorry, 8 Deluxe tournament, and the Splatoon 3 tournament, both of which will feature some of the best players of North America. So, if you are at PAX East, go and enjoy these uh, championship cups. That's what they're called. Good <laughs> <laughs> luck. I'm just really good to see like Nintendo going back to conventions. I mean, it, it seems like the, maybe that we're only seeing Nintendo at at local conventions like PAX East, New York Comic Con, or CU2, E2, and not like full on like E3 again. It's kind of fun, funny when you think about it. Yeah, and then adding to that, if you are not one of those lucky players who will be in the uh, championships. Uh, there's going to be a Nintendo versus Arcade available that anyone can go to and play. And you could play par uh, Mario Party Superstars, Yoshi's Crafted World, Mario Golf Super Rush, and the very first Super Mario Brothers game. And there will be special challenges that you could try to complete for special prizes while supplies last. <laughs> Asterisk. 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 Okay. okay, okay. I'm just saying, like, Asterisk. <laughs> That's how I pronounce it. Okay, okay, uh, asterisk. <laughs> asterisk, yes. So, again, if you're going to PAX East, which is when? Let me look I think it's like the 23rd, is it? Um, yeah, 23rd to the 26th. And Nintendo will be there all four days. So, go and enjoy that. Uh, next week, it's actually a week from today. Well, less week now. But uh, go and enjoy <laughs> that and see all the exhibitors that are there. Because there will be many. Like, including the Pokemon company, but I don't recall what they actually said they're going to show there. I'm, I am waiting to see what that is. <laughs> yes. Well, remember, they announced that they were going to be at PAX East before the Pokemon Presents, where they revealed yep. the DLC. But they said the DLC wouldn't be at PAX, so what are they showing off? Pokemon they... Sleep. <laughs> <laughs> probably, don't probably. Don't tempt them. Let's that see. would just be funny, though. To go yeah, let's, to... let's see if you can sleep in this noisy convention center. <laughs> People have. I did it. <laughs> if All you're right. tired enough. Yeah, if, you, if life finds a way. All right, next up is arguably the most important news topic of the week. We now know what the next Splatfest is going to be. It's going to be at the end of this month. Yes, that's right. We got a big run event and a Splatfest in the same month, ladies and gentlemen. It'll be the 31st through the 2nd, and the fight will be, what do you believe exists? Loch Ness Monster, 
aliens or Bigfoot? <laughs> yes, we're talking cryptids, people. We're talking cryptids. <laughs> this is real. This is absolutely real. This is not like the Among Us thing where we thought it was real and then we had to see it was a fake Twitter handle. <laughs> this was the official Nintendo of America handle. We're going full Supernatural-esque here. Yes, I had to make sure. Yeah, like, yeah I didn't even copy paste it in our Discord. The three main ch channels from uh, Nintendo. And yes, Japan, Europe, and here in America. Yes, it is confirmed. And this flat... This flat topic, oh boy, is gonna be interesting to say the least. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I remember. I, I, I'm, I'm looking at it now, but you posted all three, and I'm like, okay, it's. I had to make sure, yeah, like, yes, because yeah, you know how many fake tags are out there on Twitter. Unfortunately, you got to be careful. Yeah, I, I get. It. I post. I was the one who posted in our chat about the Among Us one. I'm like, oh my gosh, we're gonna get Among Us crossover. <laughs> I felt excited for that too. I did. Well, I, I it was right when the death battle. A uh, fan bout was going on, and uh, and I was trying to rally behind a lot of people to get um, uh, Among Us versus Fall Guys to happen, and because I, I I really am interested in that matchup now, and then it's just like oh this is perfect and we can use this to rally like oh it's fake, yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's it's fake why why but yeah in in this coming to, uh, in two weeks time like yeah in April first uh, yeah April first weekend April Fool's weekend yeah that top that's uh, topic's gonna be for the Splatfest and I don't know. For, personally, for me, my initial vote is like as much as I want to have a cuddly Nessie, I gotta go with my aliens, man. I gotta go with aliens. Yeah, I'm currently between Nessie and aliens, so we will have to see. Someone's gotta take Bigfoot. So if Faith is there for that one, we might just put her on her own Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah, yes. And, and have her try and fight like three of us off, like the two of us ticking to one topic, and I'm fine with that. So, I mean, who? I mean, granted, who still believes in Bigfoot? Like, I know, like, lots of people. Trust me. I mean, yeah, there, there are a lot of people. I know there's even like a horror that. game of that. <laughs> I mean, I know there's even a horror game that's coming out with like the Bigfoot hunt, which that was kind of popular for a bit. And yeah, but still, who believes in Bigfoot? I mean, Nessie, I, I, I know that. It, I, okay, I'm kind of going too deep into it now, into uh, early. But I know, like with the Nessie topic, was it didn't the photograph who did the original picture died on his death and confirmed it was fake? I don't know. I heard that Nessie was confirmed delist demyfed. Well, if it, even if it was, you know, people are still gonna believe because they'll say, "Oh, it was fake," and then they'll go out to the lake and they'll see something moving and like, "Oh my gosh, is that Nessie?" Because it's so ingrained. And I mean. It's the same thing with Bigfoot because the reason Bigfoot's endures because, uh, you know, there's been so many quote unquote sightings throughout the years all over parts of North America, Canada, technically even Mexico, as I've learned in my own research about the topic for work purposes only. I assure you, um, you know, people keep finding sightings, and then when they go, they put it online that fuels hysteria, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, maybe it is real, and they see something that might be Bigfoot, and they go, oh my gosh, is that us? Was that did we just find Bigfoot? Like, you know. That's how it starts. Same thing with aliens, and especially after what happened with the Pentagon and saying, oh, yeah, there's some declassified files. There might be aliens out there, you know, so. I mean, with Area 51, again, remember that whole Area 51 raid? Yes, that that, was... yes, of course, that was a, a great moment in time. It was a great moment in time, but a horrible raid. <laughs> there was not enough raiding in that raid. Look, so let's do the Naruto run. There he goes. And also, as well, I think this is for going for you, uh, dear host. Like, even in your favorite game of, of Ace Attorney, like, even they disproved that Nessie was fake. 
that was just a comp- like that in the first game, is it not? Okay, first of all, that was not Nessie. That was a Nessie knockoff. And just because <laughs> you just proven Nessie knockoff does not mean that Nessie isn't real. Just because there's copies doesn't mean there's an original. Doesn't mean there's not an original. Exactly. <laughs> no, you're lore, Will. Okay, okay, dear host. <laughs> but yeah, that topic is going to be interesting. So again, that you can the top the, the pre discussion will be begin next next week on Friday. So yeah, and then after that you can earn your conscience then. And also just to uh, no. continue on with a little bit off the no, soon feature. The swap essence until the end of the month. Yeah, at the end of the month, but you can uh, choose who you're going to vote for next week yes, and, yes. and the pre-discussion, the pre-debate. Yes. So you can, or, or, or by then, you can choose your, choose your shirt and as well earn conscious to earn your, that uh, that pre-voting uh, round. So you can also help with team then. And um, just to continue on with a little bit more on Splatoon 3, uh, because this past week, Nintendo has also released uh, more behind-the-scenes footage of the music of Splatoon 3. And also, they showed off the first. We also get to see the faces behind uh, Shiver and Fry. So yes, there in Nintendo's video, there's so three of of the Anarchy Rainbow, Fins of the Air, and Tentacle to the Metal, uh, featuring a uh, yeah deep cut as well as a hang on, I have the article here. A damp sucks with off the hook, and uh, yeah, the vocals who the, who who voices uh, Shiver is Anasato, and for Fry is Laura Yokozawa. So yeah, if you want to see more behind the scenes footage of how they make these great music, is yeah by all means check it out. But of course, naturally, they did not show off who is who voices Big Man. And of course, naturally, people want to know who, who voices Big Man. But unfortunately, they did not review him as of yet. Pity. Uh, I, watched those, I watched that video, and I'm just like, it's funny how they're... You think that this would be like... And I don't mean to start like the NAI debate, but like this is like a computer-generated voice kind of thing. You know, like, I mean, I can I can understand why you would take that way. Sure, sure, well, sure. It's just, it's just like the the sound of it. Like it doesn't sound like a person singing, and then they like you know modulate it or whatever. It sounds like it's almost like a, a like a what's it called like like a like a synthesizer. Right, and right, you right. Change right. the beats enough, and all of a sudden you got like these really unique sounds for the synthesizer. And that's what I was honestly thinking it was. And all of a sudden I'm looking at this video, and they're singing like word for word in these high-pitched voices that I'm sure is still modulated a little. Right, right, right. <laughs> Obviously. I mean, that would be cool if it wasn't, but, you know, it's nice to dream. Uh, but I mean, they're still singing from a script and, and a music sheet, so, like, yeah. I think they, there is certain, like, the note pitches and, like, pronunciation. Be it, I think it probably still is in the Japanese language, like, how they pitched it, as well as they incorporated a little bit of English, because even, like, the of all three main um, song song groups of, yeah, Cali Marie, uh, Squid Sisters and, and um, the, Off the Hook, like, they are, like, still have that, like, sense, like, you can hear a little bit English, you can hear a little bit of Japanese, they, you, they know how to mix it, which I gotta give props to that, to the Splatoon team, like, when they make music, they make good music. Oh, yeah, they're, they're some of the best, and that's why a couple weeks ago I noted that they're, they are gonna release a, a soundtrack in Japan for the yes. game. Yes, yes, so, yes, yes. Hooray! Yeah, so, um, so yeah, just be be, be respectful of you know they, they put in a lot of work for this music and they they do love it so. I I I and I just I like hopefully uh, Nintendo if you listen to us can you please release more and also can you please release Till Death Do Us Part? That song was just absolutely bang. I want to see how it's made. Please please Till Death Do Us Part. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, next up, Nintendo Switch news. 
specifically words from Doug Bowser, who we will be hearing from again at the uh, in our main event. So he was asked in a uh, interview recently about the future of the Switch, and he had some interesting things to say about it in the uh, upcoming years. He told the Associated Press. Quote, as we enter the seventh year for the Nintendo Switch, sales are still strong. I think we still have a very strong line. No, no, sorry. A very, very strong lineup coming. As Mr. Furukawa, the president of Nintendo, uh, said recently, we're entering uncharted territory with the platform. It's exciting to see that demand is still there. So nothing to announce on any future console or device, but we are still feeling very bullish about the Nintendo Switch. End quote. And then in another uh, paragraph, he noted that he feels that the Switch can deliver for years due to how unique the console is compared to others in terms of its handheld gaming ability. So what do we want to make of this? It's not dying this year. <laughs> not anytime soon. Again, we did <laughs> made a discussion about that last week and like it's still gonna be kicking for at least a few more a few more, like maybe two more years at most. Or, or 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 later on, but yeah, until they like announce that rumored Switch Pro, yeah, I don't think it's gonna be going anytime soon. Yeah, like we all, we all know the rumors, you know, like oh, the Switch is gonna be out in a year. There's not gonna be amazing <laughs> titles this year after uh, Tears of the Kingdom, and so on and so forth. I mean, the Switch Pro's rumors comes out like every other week, so <laughs> <laughs> I, I've just decided to never care about any of the Switch Pro ones. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of rumors, but hearing this from Doug Bowser, who is the, uh, head of Nintendo of America, and if he's saying that the, they're feeling still, quote, bullish about the Nintendo Switch, then yeah, we're probably not going to be seeing the Switch go away. Now, that doesn't mean we're still, that doesn't mean we're going to get a huge, massive lineup outside of, you know, Tears of the Kingdom this year. Because uh, remember, after Tears of the Kingdom, the only game we know about is is uh, uh, Pikmin Four, for first party at least. So they need to, they will still need to announce some other things soon. But they clearly feel that they can still sell Switch for a long time, and if they can, go for it. Like, why not? <laughs> I mean, yeah, pretty much is pretty much that, man. I be that way. <laughs> I mean, I definitely think that they are gonna be having the Switch out for a while. Mm -mm -mm. It's just right. And we, even we, if we do get a new one, I do think it might just be backwards compatible, so they can still focus on also Switch games. Right, right, right. I mean, that's kind of what Nintendo's thing for the most part. Like from like that, I think that they're the, like one of the only few companies, uh, aside from again the closing of the eShop, which closing out the eShop, the game preservation issue, and all that. But yeah, that's they've always been focusing on like bring like the present like uh backwards compatibility as you said just got so yeah. and just yeah the switch right now is it's just too good it's just too good at the moment right now until that switch pro or until i don't know if the steam deck really has something that like oh you can also play nintendo switch games well, oh yeah you can actually play nintendo switch games <laughs> on whatever be it be it so it's yeah nintendo it's the switch is gonna be here for a while Let's uh, well, let's be grateful for that because the Switch is a fun console, and I'm fine with not having to worry about buying a new console soon. So, if it's here for another year or two, and, it, and they keep giving me games to play, I'm fine with it. <laughs> I'm fine with it. All right, next up we have the nominees for the next class in the Video Game Hall of Fame. 
Yes, there's a video game Hall of Fame, ladies and gentlemen. I know some of you did not know that. I knew about <laughs> it, but I had forgotten. I will not deny. Uh, it is headed up by the Strong Museum. No, that is literally its name, the Strong Museum. Uh, it's oh, it, the week will not last there, obviously. <laughs> but every year, every year they they make a uh, they reveal a batch of games that they would would include in the Hall of Fame, and then you, the people, get to vote on what games could possibly make it in. And you get to vote once a day, and there's a, there's it's on their official website. Uh, let me just see. It is a museumofplay.org, and then just go to the Player's Choice ballot. So here are the nominees for the 2023 class. Wii Sports. Worthy. Worthy. Some game called Goldeneye. <laughs> hey. I'm, I'm sure that's relevant somehow. Kidding, obviously. Uh, some game called The Last of Us. I can't even do I can't even make that joke. It's The Last of Us. Part one, not part two. Um, actually, I'm pretty sure it's the original, like 2013 version. So make a note of that. Call of Duty Modern Warfare, the original, obviously. Seriously, why do they have to call two of their games Modern Warfare? I mean, like, and then, now we got Modern Warfare 2, but then we already have Modern Warfare 2. Shut up! <laughs> uh, and then other nominees are Quake, the FIFA franchise, Age of Empires, Angry Birds, Barbie Fashion Designer. Clearly the victor. Clearly. <laughs> NBA 2K, the whole series, much like FIFA. Uh, Wizardry, and then... The original commercial video game. Pop quiz, gentlemen. What's the name? The original commercial video game. What was it? Pepsi Man? No. What? Pepsi Man? No. <laughs> uh, it was computer something, wasn't it? Yes. Keep going. Computer what? If you go to the stars, where are you? Uh, mm. Space? Yes! Computer space! Okay. <laughs> I'm amazed that you actually knew half of that. I just know that it was computer something, but that's just because yeah. I have computer problems. Don't we all? <laughs> Don't we all? But, uh, yes, it's computer space. So, again, you can vote on what you think should get into the uh, 2023 class. You can vote once per day. So, go get on it. All right, next up, we have, uh, oh, boy, the Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> Come on, it's almost here. It's almost here. So yeah. Okay, so there's multiple. It's a good thing we don't have faith here. Uh, she wrote a thing on Chris Pratt being a good Mario potentially, and I'm just like, sure, Jan. Or Faith. <laughs> I adore her, but like, you know, I don't, I don't want to tell her she's dead wrong, but she's dead wrong. <laughs> oh boy. Kidding. Go read it, obviously. And as always, no matter what we all feel about any of the voices, go watch the movie, make your own opinion. Like, that's what you need to do. Yes. <laughs> Even if you wait, like I will, to rent the movie, I will watch it, and I'll make my own opinion based on that. So, but in terms of the movie, there are three things we need to talk about. First, the final trailer came out uh, after a rather cringeworthy Nintendo Direct. Um, <laughs> and hey, just if you want to get your own proof that Chris Pratt may not want to be a part of this movie, watch how he interacts with everybody, apparently. And uh, it's it's not it's not good. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then there was the, the final trailer which came out. And actually, I'm sorry, that was that was last that was last week. We did talk about that slightly. I, I got I got thrown off because I wrote about it on another day. But uh, definitely go watch that. And then Keegan Michael Key uh, did an interview about how he got his Toad voice because unlike certain other people, it actually doesn't sound like Keegan Michael Key. <laughs> 
It really doesn't. It really doesn't. <laughs> it really doesn't. Uh, and he goes, quote, the director and I, I was working out with my partner and like acting coach on the work, and I was channeling actually a friend of mine and the way that he sees the world and the way that he kind of looks at things. We brought that to the director, and then the voice was, we knew it would be higher in a higher register. So part of what I wanted to do was hit the syntax, but also pr almost pretend like I was sucking out a helium balloon uh, while I was doing the recording. At least thinking helium and trying to get the sound a little more like pinching the sound. And then he would go, higher. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think she, he, uh, Keegan Mike definitely mentioned that a little bit in, in his interview with, uh, yeah, I think, Kelly, Kelly Clarkson show. I think that was the one. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And then, uh, and then he goes, trying to get as high as we could and still have a certain comfort level with the voice. It was a really fun exploratory experience to try and find the right spot and try to get those rhythms in a place where it would feel like it would be Toad, but kind of a new version of Toad at the same time. And you might be thinking, wait a minute, Todd. Why are you okay with his voice as Toad versus Chris Pratt as Mario? Because Michael's actually putting in effort. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and have you not heard the uh, Toad from Super Mario Sunshine? Like, it's moving! Like, yeah. it actually works! Yeah, it like, does. Or, or even if you just go like to the basic sounds that happens when uh, you talk to a Toad, like, what do they always sound like? <laughs> exactly! <laughs> you know, like, really high-pitched, kind of annoying, and, you know, and yes, there is that one Toad in the trailer that goes, but look at us, we're adorable! And yeah, I can see a Toad talking like that and then you got like captain toad which is who keegan essentially playing and you know he's got that really like loud in your face voice and i can totally see that for a toad too so yeah and, and again he's putting in work he's like oh i'm just trying to meet another friend but i know i have to go higher so i was thinking like okay let's try and make it sound like i'm sucking on a helium balloon but now we gotta go higher than that i try to get comfortable with my voice you know i can see him putting in the effort to do all of this versus Chris Pratt who's like I'm just going to do my regular voice and kind of make it sound Italian if I try maybe quote question mark I'm Ron Burgundy you know it, there's a difference there's a difference so yeah and then finally with, Mar with Super Mario Brothers movie the early projections to be clear these are projections is that the, the Super Mario Brothers movie is going to make 80 to 90 million in its opening weekend Bold predictions. Bold predictions. Yes, it is bold. Now, I do want to know, and I'm actually going to look this up just to see something. Uh, remember, the movie is not coming out on Friday. It's coming out on Wednesday, April 5th. So that that might be taking things into consideration. Here we go. Uh, I guess, yeah, Super Mario Brothers to score at least 85 to 90 plus million and with the, with the five-day weekend that they're going for. So keep that in mind. So that's oh, from Wednesday to Sunday. That's going to be they're shooting projection wise for 85 to 90 million. So it's going to be interesting. And, it, and if that does happen, that would technically mean that he beat Sonic. Mm. <laughs> technically. Dang. I mean, with the Sonic movies, it, it appeared to both gamer and like all the media thing for like for this and the Mario movie. Like this thing's clearly going for the gamer. And like be love it or hate it, like, if you love Chris Pratt and all that. But yeah, this thing is like really betting on like all all the gamers out there like coming to watch this movie just because again, one, it is Mario, and it's just, again Mario's a universal icon. So I think they're gonna bet, they're really betting on that. So I, I again, if it does well, 
awesome. We should be getting reviews probably next week, if not the week following. So, because we're getting close. I mean, we're, we're less than three weeks away from the Mario yeah, movie. So, that's crazy. Yeah, it is. But then again, I was also supposed to be out by now. So, <laughs> make of that what you will. Also crazy. <laughs> but remember, when you, delay a, when you delay a video game movie, it's usually for the better. <laughs> Except when it's not. Actually, I'm going to take that back because there was another kind of video game slash tabletop movie that got delayed a lot, Dungeons and Dragons. And apparently, that's a really good movie. So that's good to know. It is like I saw it got like really great reviews, and like you would expect, given the terrible adaptation history of anything game related, that it would be, you know, they screw it up. But apparently not. I mean, especially Dungeons and Dragons movies. Yeah, because that's (laughs) so easy just to say like, oh, it's just another fantasy movie. No, apparently they made it to where it feels like Dungeons and Dragons, which is great. So, also Chris Pine and Michelle (laughs) Rodriguez. (laughs) <laughs> that's exciting yeah who michelle <laughs> yes michelle is exciting <laughs> <laughs> she can kill me with an axe wait that didn't sound right all right and now we head to our main event ladies and gentlemen and this also has to do with doug bowser and the question is with the super mario movie should they have just replaced regular bowser with doug bowser i mean since he's clearly a better i'm just joking um no keep jack black yeah, do, do you remember when Doug Bowser got nominated and they did the Nintendo Direct where Bowser actually showed up in a tie? <laughs> that was so good. Like, I love that they made that joke. It was like, here's our new boss, Bowser. And then Bowser goes, rawr, 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 rawr. <laughs> <coughs> Imagine if they had Jack Black back then. Um, uh, I'm the boss of Nintendo! <laughs> I ran uh, rock! Ow, that hurt my voice. Uh, but no, we're, Doug Bowser made a statement about Tears of the Kingdom justifying its uh, $70 price point. And it really raised questions within both the fan community and just overall general questions about how the video game market is considering raising prices in general, what why certain games are free to play, and then like, they overcharge for all the uh, additional content or the you know pay-to-win content and so on and so forth. So we're going to break this all down in a Nintendo discussion. All right, so we are going to start with Tears of the Kingdom because this is what Doug Bowser said. Now, again, this this game is going to be the only Switch game as of yet that's going to be priced at $70, which is $10 more than a standard Switch game. And in a talk with the Associated Press, where he also talked about the Nintendo Switch content we talked about earlier, he said, quote, we look at what the game has to offer. I think uh, fans will find this is an incredibly full, deep, immersive experience. The price point reflects the type of experience that fans can expect when it comes to playing this particular game. This isn't a price point that we'll necessarily have on all our titles. It's actually a fairly common price model, either here or in Europe or other parts of the world, where the pricing may vary depending on the game itself, end quote. So yeah, lots to unpack there. <laughs> but the biggest one is the question of, should the amount of content within the game reflect what the what's called the base price point, the standard price point, is to consumers? Scott, I'll start with you. So, uh, in a- I guess my opinion with all the price points 
if it means that the game does have enough content to justify the price, if it means that developers and publishers and all those that work behind the scene get a better price point or better prices, that it's not just going to like execs, I am perfectly fine with it going up to a $70 price tag. Mm. However, with Nintendo, there's a problem of where the price never goes down. True. True, 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 true. But that's just a personal problem. <laughs> I just hope that with them saying this, that it also means that maybe Tears of the Kingdom will actually be a lot larger than Breath of the Wild. Hmm. All right, Will, how about you? Kind of an interesting question. Like, do you really want the price to directly correlate to like how much content is in there? I mean, the the thing, the image that um, the comparison that pops into my mind is, like, for example, if if like Persona Five was not released yet, and like you want to put like out of a seventy dollar or even eighty dollar price tag on Persona Five Royal, and that is like literally hundreds of hours in that thing, would that be justified? You want to pay Persona Five Royal for eighty bucks, like? And of course, like uh, with um, I don't know. For example, Octopath Traveler Two, that game, now while not as big as like RPGs and JRPGs out there, it's still fairly sizable. But you want to pay like seventy bucks for Octopath Traveler Two or any other thing that goes like a certain uh, hour threshold, it's it's kind of an interesting thing. I mean, per, Scott, your argument is definitely a very valid one. Like if if it means like one paying or the developers paying that's not going to top execs but pays they paying the developers executives artists all all those people then by all means sure i'll, I'll, I'll gladly pay that extra boy if it helps helps them the lower uh, people in the gaming industry uh, a living wage like however like it's just feels that now with the first nintendo game going for 70 dollars for tears of game and like if it directly course to like how much content it is like Yes, more things, more like more worlds, more interaction, bigger than the in that Breath of the Wild. Like, it, it just kind of feels strange that you want to like really put a direct correlation with content with price. I mean, sure, like it kind of goes with that with like out of indie titles. Like, if it's a small game, you only charge like ten bucks, twenty bucks, like, however you want want it to be. And like, if it's a budget title, you only pay it for like up to at most forty bucks. So is is that basically we've kind of been doing that right now, but now you're kind of like really pushing it like to add that extra ten dollars when we've been we've been so comfortable with only sixty dollars only. It's like it's it's new territory. It's basically new territory. Yeah. So th this is clearly uh, this is hard to talk about because there are many levels to what you can say about this because we've obviously had price jumps in the past right right right, right. yeah because we, we've had because games used to be 50 dollars, like console games used to be 50 dollars. yeah yeah back in the day yeah back in like 1995 yeah 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 and then they jumped to 60 and we kind of understood it because you know the games were expanding and if this was another like line wide everyone's jumping to 70 i would be behind it because it's not like one developer saying hey our games are worth more than all the others so, you know, we got to raise the price. It's everyone saying, look, you know, it's harder to make games, which it is. It's more expensive to make games, which it is. And, you know, we need to do our best to recover costs and 
you know, potentially make that next game, which is fair, especially with the franchises that, you know, if it takes, I'm going to be generous here, uh, you know, $50 million to make a game, like a AAA title, which we all know it could cost well, well above that. Like Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Was it Breath of the Wild like $300 million or something like that? About. Yeah. So like $50 million to make, let's call it a lower AAA tier franchise. And they need to sell, you know, a m 2 million copies to get that back. It might be, you know, a tougher sell to get too many people to be to sell, to buy for 60, 60 bucks or 70 bucks. But if you do it, you're going to make your money back and then you could potentially make the next game. And so like, hey, we, we got the 2 million people to buy it like we wanted and here you go. Like Fire Emblem, look at Fire Emblem. We know that Fire Emblem Three Houses sold like 2.65 million or whatever in like the first few months, which was like the biggest it had ever done. And Fire Emblem Engage is off to a, a fire start as far as we know. And, but we're, it's not gonna sell Call of Duty numbers. Right, 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 right. So <laughs> there, there is a gauge here to where, you know, Balancing between, you know, we need to make a profit versus we need to be fair to the customers. Now, if, if Nintendo suddenly jumped from 60 to 80, that would probably throw a lot of right, 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 into the into a bad place because that's that would just be an unreasonable price jump and one that's unprecedented. And considering that, you know, Sony and Microsoft have less expensive games for argu arguably better consoles, depending on how you look at things. So, business-wise, it just depends on how you do it. But the way that Doug Bowser phrased it with the whole Oh, uh, you know, we have so much content in here, and people will know once they play it that the content makes it worth it. And I'm like, that only works to a very specific uh, level, okay? <laughs> like, like seriously. And and Will, you gave a couple of perfect examples with uh, with with Persona Five and. Uh, Octopath. I'll even throw the Xenoblade games in there. Oh yeah, yeah, Xenoblade can absolutely. go hundred, even thousands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like, and yeah, those are. I mean, I bought the collector's edition, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so you have those games, which are, and, and when I played Persona Five Royal, I played it, start to finish, all the content. I did my best to max out all the party, uh, the companions to Joker and such, uh, that I could. And I spent 110 hours in there, and I and I paid 60 bucks for the game for 110 hours. And now I can almost bet you that I will not be spending 110 hours in breath. Uh, dang it, I was breath of the wild too. Uh, <laughs> tears, it's just so ingrained now uh, in, in Tears of the Kingdom because I'm going to want to focus on the main story for my review. And now I have to pay an extra 10 bucks for content that I might not play or enjoy. Right, right, right. And also adding to that, I mean, there's another topic, but basically you add on to possible DLCs, which they know, I know that Nintendo will be adding charge for that. So, yeah, $70 add on top more to that. Like, yeah, for people yeah. who want to play DLC or like add on DLC. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a very thin line because the moment you say, well, our content is going to dictate, you know, who it is and whatever. And I'm like, Maybe, but you didn't do that with Xenoblade, which I put six, no, 70. I put 70 hours in that game before I was done with just the main story. I didn't even do that whole soul hacking uh, side quest. Which you take, like, <laughs> and the legendary monsters, the legendary <laughs> enemies. Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. get all the heroes. I did 
you know, a rather focused route with some side exploration because I wanted to get extra heroes for my crew. And that was fun, and I enjoyed it. But and I, and I got that game for $60. And now they're saying, oh, because this content is so special, is so good, they're going to understand why it's more, except they don't. Well, like, we barely even know what the game is, so yeah. how do you tell? Yeah, exactly. It is, but it's Zelda. You know it'll be good. Okay, I'll grant you that one. <laughs> I'll grant you that one. Very few mainline, mainline, mainline Zelda games yes. are bad. All right, Wonder Game One. Uh, you know, mainline games—they're almost always good, if not perfection. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we could just say, "Oh yeah, we play, we pay any amount for that," just because we know the concept will be good. Like that's that's taking the choice out of our hands by saying, "Oh, we, you will buy this content because you know it is good." I will buy this content because I know it is good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't put a star on Jedi trick, Nintendo. Like, and it also goes like, yeah, going back to what Scott said as well, because like, okay, so you really, yeah, we're gonna get uh, Tears of the Kingdom be released at seventy dollar price point. Okay, good, good, fine and fine and dandy. But then, like, as time goes on, like, when you're going to say, like, oh, okay, we're not getting any sales. We need to drop down the price to $60 now. Like, like when are you going to do that? A year after? Holiday season? Like, I mean, heck, even uh, uh, the original Breath of the Wild on Switch, I think last I checked, is only going down to at most $50. And that's still pretty Yeah, pricey. I was going to say, it's, not like, it's like at $52.99. It's still... And that's the lowest thing for Breath of the <laughs> Wild for, like, uh, like uh, yeah, from 2017. It's like... Jeez Louise! Like Nintendo your... games do not go down unless you're like like the the Mario Sports game, and those things are going down in price very quickly. Yeah, like yeah, it's Nintendo. Like when when you put it that way, is like yeah. How long would it be? Like are you gonna say, oh okay, we made a great mistake. We're gonna drop it down to sixty. Like that. That's one thing. I'm like I have a firm belief that that's gonna likely gonna happen. Like once like a year or two years has passed from uh tears of the kingdom's release we're gonna get that if we're lucky nintendo's gonna drop it down to 60 i feel like yeah it's just it's a very tricky thing and i think what's going on here is that nintendo is trying their hardest to make it sound like they have a reasonable reason for doing this and it's not coming off that way because mm -hmm. again this is the only switch game first or third party to do this and like why like, like the only other t game i think i know that it was costed 70 bucks was i i think it was like the the last of us part one remake for ps5 if i recall correctly i, I don't yeah quote me on that but I'm quoting you on that i'm quoting you on that no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's just how they really like really pushing this is as i said Todd, it's just like is this the right move? Is it just for them to like really like push this price point on it? Like, okay, fine. If support the developers, fine. I mean, look, I trust Eiji Anuma. Eiji Anuma like really misses. So, like, if it were, if it's indeed worth the seventy dollars, fine. But again, we're 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 basically doing a leap of faith here. Like, do we trust Nintendo? Do we trust Eiji Anuma? Do we trust in this product? And with so much unknowns. Like again, we we don't know what the game is. We only see trailers and like barely any information. That key, again, they came close to the chest, and you want us to blindly believe that this seventy dollar price point is and justified because one content wise, of hour wise, or whatever factor they justify that as, that 
yes, this is justified. Again, it's a leap of faith. So we 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 just don't know, and they, and that's kind of like that's the worry factor for us consumers. Like, or and it goes in if we want to pre-order as well. But yeah. Do we jump in and like hope for the best, or like do we, or we we get burned? That that like that's unfortunately what us consumers we always have to deliberate every single time we buy a game. Is it worth the price point? Is it all that? And it just kind of revolves back to this topic. Like, is Bowser right? Maybe, but again, that's only his and his point of view. We don't know yet. Yeah, we yeah, don't yeah, know it, yet. It's, it's, it's just <laughs> it's such a weird thing, and and. I, they could easily just, you know, say, "Oh, this is, you know, we're just it's it's seventy dollars. It's just how it is, you know. What what are you gonna do?" And the answer is complain, complain on on social media because that's what the human beings do. Ninety percent of Twitter. Ninety percent of Twitter. But the thing here is that they are going out of their way to explain the seventy dollar price point. And I'm like, if you're gonna do this. Just make all future Switch games $70. Like Pikmin 4, Metroid Prime 4, should it ever come out, and whatever. Like, make these, make all of them $70. Like, I, I just checked out, you know, the uh, Horizon Forbidden West, which is arguably one of the best games of the last few years. And that game is $70. Okay. okay but that's okay. also in line with what PS5 titles are going for. Right, 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 right. right. So, okay, and I, okay. I, th I think the Xbox Series X is a. Same thing. So if they follow that trend of just saying, hey, everything from now on has to be $70 because it's the price and cost of doing business, everyone would understand that. They may not like it, but they would understand it. But for Nintendo to say, for the one of the heads of Nintendo to say, oh, this game is just so good, the content is so grand, it's so expansive, that you're going to understand why we are at, we're charging the extra 10 bucks, and then you have other games which have just as much content, just as good of content, and or even by third-party platform or uh, parties where they could have easily charged that independently of Nintendo. No. <laughs> right, and like you're going back to like an earlier point, like this, this, this is gonna be determined by a case by case basis. Yeah, like that. Like going back back to that statement is like, oh, I, I gonna make a point for like certain quality titles like Pikmin Four or the next Bayonetta or like whatever your first party games you're gonna be releasing down the line. Like I don't know, the next Mario game. Like, is it worth that seventy dollar price point? Maybe. But again, the fact that you go by a case by case basis, like no sixty. Okay, this one's gonna go go seventy. Like. How is it like a, a confidence point that like oh we're, we feel this product's gonna sell therefore we gotta charge more for it it's like yeah that's okay fine kind of greedy but fine I guess I don't know so uh I want to make a joke here about Smash Brothers I really do it <laughs> okay well please understand that because of Smash Brothers and the entirely incredible roster that we have assembled for you. It's only logical that we charge you five dollars per every single fighter in the game. Now oh, we're just going no. EA route. I mean, if, if they decide to do this thing when Smash Bros. Ultimate re release it, you know people will be up and about and about in anger and pitchforks. How, how about the fighter packs? Like, oh, it's fifty dollars for these fighters. Like, okay, that's you know six fighters per. You know, that's that's fine. What, what was like thirty bucks for the fighter pack? I don't remember now. Yeah, yeah, about thirty bucks. Yeah, okay. 30, so what, what, if, but what if they said like, but because these fighters are so incredible and you know they represent some of the best franchises in gaming and you know Minecraft. Uh, 
I had to get the dig in there. I couldn't help it. Uh, you know, we're going to charge you $100 for each fighter pack. Wait, wait, each fighter pack? Yes, each fighter pack. Because clearly the content that we're giving you with these <laughs> extra fighters are is worth the $100 investment. So we're paying basically, like, if it was, like, in that hypothetical situation, we'd be paying roughly about, like, okay, 70 plus, like, 100 So we're paying $170 for the entire product? Pretty much. I mean, we're pay basically paying, like, half price of a console game. Like, oh, yeah, I could have saved this thing to, to buy, like, another PS5 or another Switch owner, whatever it may be. <laughs> yeah. Or I could finally save up to buy that mythical Switch Pro. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming! It, I know it's coming! It'll be here, eventually. Oh, there, oh, there, oh, there you go. When the Switch Pro comes out, it's like $7,000. When do you see the content that the Switch Pro... <laughs> I mean, they not learn from Sony on the PS3, <laughs> fat boy. Probably. That, that's a great... It, it's pro because it's golden. It's, it's, so, it's so pro, you're on the golden level. Like, only, <laughs> only the worthy who can lift up the golden Switch Pro can take it. So and then buy it because you have to. I buy believe it. the only one that can do it is the royal family of the UK. I still remember that golden Wii. I still remember <laughs> that. Uh, so, but do, do you understand now, ladies and gentlemen, how the slippery slope this is? Because all you have to say is the golden words of when you see this content, when you see what we're doing with this game, you'll understand. What, no, we don't understand. That's the whole point. We we don't see anything. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, like our the trailers you've given us have been ranged from lackluster to basic to haven't we already been here before yeah <laughs> how many times do i have to see zelda falling into a chasm we get it she's not gonna be in much of the game again you monsters is it too it much to still ask makes me depressed <laughs> <laughs> apparently so they have to keep like that has to be like the first thing they talk about in those pitch meetings okay guys we got a new zelda title okay first question is it a sequel or a new entry. Well, we did a sequel last time. I think it's fair we do a new entry. Okay, good point. So, second question. How do we get rid of Zelda? <laughs> okay. So, do we get her, have her captured again? Do we want to go the bold uh, Breath of the Wild route and have her, like, holding back the darkness herself for 100 years while Link goes fishing? Uh, do we want to throw to her chasm again? I hear there's a refrigerator available. <laughs> Maybe she'll be the one sleeping this time. <laughs> <laughs> Also, I appreciate those who got the comic book reference. Uh, and no, that's not a good idea to throw a woman to the fridge. Uh, no. no, it's it's really, really good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I, I feel bad for Zelda. And now I have to pay 10 extra bucks just to see her get thrown into a chasm for most of the game until we magically rescue her at the end. And then she's like, oh, Link, thank you. And like, yeah, we know. Handshake. Handshake. <laughs> I mean, so, like, in hindsight, like, if, like, what Bowser says is true, like, I don't know, hypothetically speaking, like, if they actually have uh, a co-op Zelda mode in this game, which they have not reviewed at all, no. they're close to their chest, then who knows? Perhaps that would be the thing, like, and that probably would be even <laughs> just, like, for that $70 price point. If Zelda's in it as a co-op character to play as, 80 bucks. <laughs> I hear 80, I hear 90, Sold for $100,000. I didn't say that, I said 100 bucks. That's not what you said, sir. Please make cash here. No. Like, I'm really hoping this isn't, this doesn't turn into one of those things that got wrong situations. Like, they, they think they could just, like, you know, again, Jedi mind trick us into thinking, oh, this is only by a case by case basis. I'm like, but that's not. How it works. This is a case by case basis. So we'll see. We're less than two months away from Tears of the Kingdom. 
<laughs> hopefully, hopefully we'll get more information and more coherency on this mythical content that is worth the extra 10 bucks. Or you could just start Persona 5 over again. <laughs> <laughs> or Xenoblade all over again. Or Xenoblade all over again. <laughs> or be super bold, play all three Xenoblade games from from the beginning, and hey, hey, if you got a Wii U, go get, go get Xenoblade Chronicles X. That's another 60 hours for you. And then play Persona <laughs> 5 Royal. By the time you get that, then maybe you'll understand what Nintendo is talking about. Or maybe you won't. Who knows? All right. And with that, we're ending this episode on the Nintendo Entertainment Podcast. What do you make of what Nintendo has been saying about the $70 price point for Tears of the Kingdom? Do you agree it's necessary? Do you think they should just make this line wide to, you know, get rid of the controversy? Let us know your thoughts. And, of course, what do you think about the Pokemon company getting into NFTs? And how much do you want to set it on fire? Uh, are you going to PAX East? And if so, will you be watching the tournaments or going into the arcade section? Uh, are you getting Bayonetta Origins? And how excited are you to play it? Let us know in the comments below. So, for Skull Kid Scott and Wario Will, I am Triforce Ty. Ladies and gentlemen, we are out of time. We are not allies. We made it to the end of the level. So, raise the flag! <laughs>